is Archbishop William Laurie of Baltimore, and you are listening to Catholic Review Radio. Catholic Review Radio is a weekly radio program and podcast hosted by Catholic Review Media, the news operation of the Archdiocese of Baltimore. We are grateful to our Catholic partners for the opportunity to bring quality Catholic programming to our listeners each week. This is Chris Gunty of the Catholic Review. Welcome to Catholic Review Radio for the Feast of the Corpus Christi, June 6th, 2021. Today we're going to talk about the Year of the Eucharist, which is just starting in the Archdiocese of Baltimore today. It will run through the Feast of Corpus Christi 2022. With us today as our guest is Edward Herrera, Executive Director of the Institute for Evangelization for the Archdiocese of Baltimore. Edward, I understand that there are four key dates and four key focuses for the Year of the Eucharist. What are those? Yeah, so uh, it's great to be here with you today, Chris, uh, and talk a little bit more about the Year of the Eucharist. The Year of the Eucharist really is an opportunity that the Archbishop's inviting us to uh, really deepen our devotion to the Holy Sacrifice of the Mass and uh, to, in a particular way, focus four days throughout the liturgical year on different ways that Christ is present at the Mass. And so obviously today is Corpus Christi Sunday and a great opportunity to focus on the presence of Christ in the Eucharist. Uh, but then also on the eve of all saints, October 31st, it's a opportunity to look at Christ presence in the congregation, which is obviously a great time to welcome friends uh, to Mass, welcome friends uh, into church, uh, invite them to learn more about the faith. And then also Word of God Sunday, which is January the 23rd, and that's focusing on Christ's presence in the Word proclaimed, right? So in the, in the Gospel proclaimed. And then lastly, in uh, Good Shepherd Sunday, where we recognize uh, the presence of Christ in the in the celebrant in the priest. So those four days throughout the year, recognizing those four places in which Christ is present in the um, in, in the sacrifice of the Mass. The theme for the year is encounter Christ's presence, and you've talked about that in terms of how to encounter Christ's presence. I imagine that this is partly about teaching people. We all know that uh, studies have shown that a majority of even Catholics don't believe in the real present. They don't believe that the Eucharist at the Mass is the true body and blood, soul and divinity of Christ. So there's obviously a teaching aspect to this. There's a catechetical aspect to that. But I think from what I understand, they're trying to do more than just teach people. They want people to experience this. What's the difference, and how can you do both? 
in terms of resources, there's resources, right? We've got the, the resources to learn more about the Eucharist, to learn more about the presence of Christ in the Mass. And those things, as you pointed out, Chris, are, are really important uh, for the faithful. But beyond that, the idea is in part to share our stories of encounter with one another, to share ways in which uh, the Lord has touched our lives uh, both in kind of being present before the Blessed Sacrament, but then also times where he's touched our lives by encountering another person and the faith of Christ that they they express to us, right? Or in, in hearing the way in which the Lord is speaking to us in his word. Um, and so it, it becomes an opportunity to share those stories of encounter and to share ways in which uh, the Lord has touched our lives. Because I think sometimes... Uh, we only focus on uh, just the educating piece of the faith, which is so important, obviously. But then there's also a piece in which, you know, it's it's the way in which beauty captivates us, right? When we encounter beauty, uh, it pierces our heart in a way that intellectual arguments sometimes can't. And so that's why it's so important to really invite our friends uh, to encounter the Lord, right? Because it's about that moment, that experience where we're transformed, right? And I think that the, the easiest way to know it, uh, if we haven't experienced it, is is through beauty, right? When we see a beautiful painting and uh, it really impacts us and transforms us. One of my favorite gospel stories is the story of the, the disciples on the road to Emmaus. It kind of wraps up all of these things that we're talking about all at once. Christ the high priest is there walking along with them. So they're, they're there as community. They know the Lord Jesus in the breaking of the bread. He opens up the scriptures to tell them all the things about salvation history that have come true through his death and resurrection. All of it is in there. But I think the key thing about that is that they know the Lord Jesus in the breaking of the bread and they run back to Jerusalem and they say, we've seen the Lord. And they hear the other disciples say, we've seen the Lord. So it's this ability to understand the scriptures understand the walk with Christ but then you got to go tell other people you can't receive the Eucharist you can't be part of Jesus's life without then wanting to share that with others is that some of what we're going after in the year of the Eucharist aim I couldn't have put it better myself Chris that's that's exactly what we're aiming after the only uh, piece that I would touch on too is that beautiful line that their hearts were burning Yes. Right. That when the when the word was broken open, when they encounter the Lord, when they see the Lord in that way, that their hearts were burning. And then, yes, they have to go out and share it. And I mean, we've already, I, I know, received stories of uh, people desiring uh, to share what they've received from the Lord. Right. And so I, I think a big part of it is absolutely uh, that desire to go out and to share this great gift that we've received. Absolutely. Talk about a little bit, if you can, some of the resources that you've made available. We just want to give people an idea. The website is archbalt.org forward slash year hyphen of hyphen the hyphen Eucharist. Uh, so you can go there and find all of this uh, great information. But what are some of the resources that you have available for folks there? Absolutely. So uh, there's resources. I mean, some are going to be a little more high level for parishes. So if uh, folks work at parishes and things like that, things that they might be able to include in, in the bulletin or in emails to parishioners. But then there's also some great resources for uh, families, for individuals uh, to 
learn ways of, of deepening their Eucharistic devotion. If you're, for example, not familiar with Eucharistic adoration, there's resources on ways to uh, participate in Eucharistic adoration and, and to experience the Lord in that. There's also uh, a great resource on some different Eucharistic miracles, which honestly are just so inspiring and, and powerful to read about and to hear about and to hear those stories. Then there's also an opportunity to sign up for uh, what's called a, a flock note, and those are going to be coming out a couple times a week where you get some uh, some inspiration throughout your week uh, around the Eucharist and around um, kind of the Mass and deepening our devotion there. So it's it's a, a great way to, to get plugged into this year of the Eucharist, but then also to be able to, to share resources uh, with friends and family uh, and things like that. And to sign up for that email uh, newsletter for the Year of the Eucharist, you can text the word CHRIST2021, that's C-H-R-I-S-T-2021, to the number 84576, and that'll sign you up for those e-newsletters that you've been talking about. They're also on that uh, web portal at the Archdiocese, there is a place where people can share their story, right? And so they can be a part of this and can let people know. What do you hope to hear from people about their encounters with with Christ's presence. Yeah, I mean, I think sometimes, uh, and this is a gross generalization, but sometimes as Catholics, we're nervous to share our stories, right? We don't quite know how, we don't quite know the the right words. I enjoy Ed Sri, who does a lot of work with Focus and Augustine Institute. And he said at one point, I was talking with him and he said, you know, people feel like they can't share their story because they're not kind of an expert of the faith. They don't kind of know the right words to use. And he kind of says, you know, um, have you ever seen a good movie, right? And you're everyone, of course, you've seen a good movie, right? And uh, do you feel qualified to tell people about that movie? And everyone, of course, feels qualified to tell about the movie. But then the question is, well, do you have some sort of um, education and film critique and kind of advanced uh, critical theory and and movies or the technical expertise of movies. And no one does, but they feel equipped to be able to tell about the great movie that they've seen. And what we want to invite folks to do is to share their story about this encounter that's changed their life, right? Um, That these encounters with the Lord uh, are powerful experiences. And the more that we share those with others, the more they can be um, opportunities for others to encounter the Lord. And so that's really what we're talking about is just sharing sharing your story, um, sharing the way in which the Lord has has touched you and touched your life so that we can, uh, can help uh, amplify your story and share it with others around the diocese. Because I, I think that really the more that we witness to the faith, the more uh, that we we draw others to the Lord, and that's um, that's what He calls us to, right? I mean, we've explored that a lot this last uh, couple of weeks um, within the liturgical season, and and it really is an opportunity for us to to share our story uh, and share the goodness that the Lord's given to us. That is a good way to encounter Christ's presence. We've been talking today with Edward Herrera, Executive Director of the Institute for Evangelization for the Archdiocese of Baltimore. Thanks so much for being with us today, Edward. Great to be with you too, Chris. After the break, we're going to talk with Father Jerry Francic, a pastor of Sacred Heart Parish in Glendon, about how his parish is going to be implementing the Year of the Eucharist. This is Chris Gunty, and you're listening to Catholic Review Radio. 
Archdiocese of Baltimore makes the protection of children a leading priority in its parishes, schools, and other ministries. The Archdiocese seeks to keep kids safe through training and background checks and by implementing a zero-tolerance policy for anyone credibly accused of abusing a child. For more information about the Archdiocese efforts to keep our children safe, please visit www.archbalt.org accountability. Catholic News from the Archdiocese of Baltimore and around the world with the Catholic Review. The bishops of the Providence of Baltimore and the Archdiocese of Washington announced June 2nd that they would be lifting the dispensation of the Sunday and Holy Day Mass obligation that was granted at the beginning of the coronavirus pandemic in March of 2020. A joint statement from Cardinal Wilton D. Gregory of Washington, Baltimore Archbishop William E. Lurie, and the bishops of the Diocese of Arlington and Richmond, Virginia, Wheeling, Charleston, West Virginia, and Wilmington, Delaware, said the obligation will be reinstated effective the weekend of June 26th and 27th. The bishops acknowledged the progress the country has made in curbing the coronavirus, including a decline in the number of new cases of COVID-19 as a result of safety protocols and the increase in the availability of vaccines to ward off the virus. The bishops' statement said the obligation to return to Mass does not apply to those who are ill, those who have reason to believe that they were recently exposed to the coronavirus, other serious or contagious illness, those who are confined to their home, a hospital or nursing facility, or those with serious underlying health conditions. One should consult with his or her local pastor if questions arise about the obligation to attend Mass. For more on this story, visit catholicreview.org. Based on responses to a questionnaire sent to all U.S. dioceses, the Center for Applied Research in the Apostolate estimates there are about 19,000 deacons in the United States today. The number, however, is dropping, mirroring trends seen in religious life and the priesthood for the past half century. Responding offices reported that 410 deacons retired from active ministry and 378 have died. Another 587 were ordained to the permanent diaconate during 2020, according to the report issued June 1st. The trend goes back to at least 2014. For more on this story, visit catholicreview.org. From the virtual newsroom of the Catholic Review, I'm Kevin Parks. This is Archbishop William Laurie of Baltimore, and you are listening to Catholic Review Radio. Welcome back to Catholic Review Radio. We're talking now with Father Jerry Francic, who is pastor of Sacred Heart Parish in Glendon. Thanks so much for joining us. You're welcome, Chris. I want to talk to you about this whole year of the Eucharist that is starting on the Feast of Corpus Christi. How will you plan to implement that in your parish at Sacred Heart? Well, first of all, we're really excited that we're doing something like this because we felt with the shutdown and the obligation to attend Mass uh, lifted for this whole period and people being kind of sequestered in their homes, we needed something to encourage people to come back. And so um, it, it was really a great idea, I think, that the Archdiocese is implementing something to encourage people to focus and to appreciate the Eucharist. So the first thing we're going to do is we're starting um, Eucharistic adoration in our little church. We have a historic church as well as the main church, and we're going to have that uh, Monday, Tuesday, Thursday, and Friday from six in the morning until eight in the evening so that people have an opportunity to come back in and to pray um, together. Also, we're going to um, kick off in the fall kind of a 
a ministry fair, if you want to call it that. We were hoping to do it at Pentecost, but of course, with um, the virus still and the restrictions still around, that wasn't possible. Uh, that was too early. But we're hoping that once the summer vacation season is done, that in the fall we'll kick off um, kind of a ministries fair that will encourage people to get involved in liturgical ministries that enhance the Eucharist. So, for example, choirs and uh, music groups and cantors and lectors and extraordinary ministers of the Eucharist and ushers and all those ministries have really um, been sustained by some very faithful people during this year, but we need a lot more people as folks begin to return. And so to make the mass really the focus, the summit of, um, of our lives as a parish, we need all those ministries filled again. And it's interesting that you're talking about kind of looking at the real presence in the Eucharist in a couple of different ways. The first way is in adoration to bring people together, to bring them in front of the Blessed Sacrament to pray. But the next thing is to then do something you know, with ministry. How are how ministries connected to reception of the sacrament and to being close to, to Jesus? Well, first of all, I think if people come to a mass and it's not inspiring um, or uplifting or um, done well, and by that I mean by having everybody do their proper ministry in a great way that makes it prayerful and um, helps you to hear the word of God and really um, understand what you're receiving in the Eucharist, then they're not going to come back. And so we really want their experience here at Sacred Heart to be wonderful, that when they come, they say, gosh, it's a warm community, it's hospitable, it's welcoming, the readings are beautiful, the homilies are great, the music is fantastic. I want to be there, and it's a community I want to be part of, because as we know, community is part of where we find Jesus. So the, the four prongs that we're looking at this year are just wonderful. So we're going to begin looking at the Eucharist with adoration, but then how do you find Jesus in the assembly as well and the people gathered? And then how do you listen to him in that word? And then how do you find him in the priest and hopefully inspire more vocations as well? Mm -hmm. um, so we see that the quality of mass really has to be something we focus on. And we're not going to institute all of the masses that we had in the past because we had way too many. We had eight on a weekend, English and Spanish, and um, none were full. And so we're hoping to, to narrow more the number, but increase the quality so that people will really have a sense of community when they're there. Realign that a little bit. Yes. I think it's a great time to reboot. Mm -hmm. It is. It is. Uh, an old college professor of mine, Father John Cusick, who founded Theology on Tap, which was is a great way to reach young adults in the church with a, an informal way of talking about the church. But he said in a talk one time that they've found that young adults especially are looking for three things in liturgy, good welcoming, you know, and hospitality, good music and good homilies. And he said, only one of those is in the realm of my brother priest. <laughs> he said, you people are responsible for the welcoming and the, and the good music. And the Amen to that. Yeah, so what you're saying about about bringing people into these ministries is really exciting to, to hear that and hear how that's all tied in together. When you think about it back to when you were inspired to become a priest, when you started, first started thinking about that, was there a connection to the Eucharist that really pulled you in? Absolutely. It was getting excited about the liturgy itself. So all the things that I mentioned, the music, I was an organist, and so I first got pulled in. Um, because I, I was an assistant organist at St. Pius X. 
And um, as I got involved there, I was invited to be part of the liturgy committee. And in planning things like Advent or Christmas or Holy Week and getting to explore the richness of our Catholic heritage, that's when I really got excited about it and thought, this is really wonderful. And the more I was connected with that, the more my faith was deepened. Um, And I felt that tug uh, to become a priest because of it. And so I think that the liturgy is a direct line into that connection with God and inspiring people to live their vocation to the fullest. Mm -hmm. A priest friend of mine uh, back in Arizona had talked about the fact that when he was young, maybe six years old or something, he, he kept noticing the tabernacle and realized there was something special about that. First of all, the reverence that was, that was given to that place of honor, even though he didn't really understand the real presence as a six-year-old, but he, kind of climbed over the altar rail one time after mass and went up and wanted to look at it. And the great thing was that the priest came out of the sacristy and saw him. And rather than chastising him for having climbed over the altar rail, he invited him to see what was inside. He opened the tabernacle and brought out the blessed sacrament and explained it to him as best you can explain to a six-year-old that inspired him to become a priest because one, he was welcomed. He was made to feel a part of it. But he knew from the very start there was something special there. And that's part of, I think, what people need to understand is that while we have all been, for our own safety and for the safety of others, been kind of staying away from church for a long time because of the fear of spreading spreading the illness, there's been this need to come back and to be part of the community and to hear the word and to be able to receive the sacrament in a way that a spiritual communion just doesn't do that. How do you hope to be able to preach about that to your people as they start coming back, uh, especially later this month when the dispensation is lifted? Well, I already wrote a column for our bulletin for Corpus Christi talking about um, experiencing Jesus in the Eucharist as they receive it and not to receive it casually or informally or thoughtlessly, but because we come so used to it, that it becomes habit rather than something very, very special for us. So to begin focusing um, homily by homily on who it is we really are receiving and how he so desires to be a part of us that he made himself food that becomes part of our body and that we're then supposed to go out and be that person, that Jesus in our world. That was his commission to us um, just this past week in Holy Trinity Sunday, go out and teach all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit. And we're supposed to do that. Um, And because we, in the past, when we were able to come um, freely, we could take that for granted. I think this absence of being able to come to Mass has made people's hearts really desire that Eucharist even more. They could watch it on TV. They could watch Mass. They could listen to the readings, listen to the homily but they couldn't receive Jesus. And people have said to me how much they've longed for that. I had people come on Easter Sunday, older people who said, I got vaccinated with both arms up in the air, like like they were a champion. And they were so happy to receive the Eucharist that day. It was was terrific. I want to touch on something else you said though, Chris, because you talked about him crawling over and then um, the priest showed him what was inside and that invited him in. The fourth part of the year of the Eucharist is priesthood, Jesus in the priesthood. And that's what invited me to priesthood. It was a priest at St. Pius X, an associate who's now pastor at St. Catherine Drexel's, Father Keith Boisvert, who showed me what priesthood could be like. 
and made it a real possibility that this wasn't something daunting or beyond me, that this was something that was uplifting and fun and worthwhile and that touched people's lives in a deep and enduring way. And that opened up, in a sense, that tabernacle for me to say, you could do this. So that's a wonderful part of this year, too. It's a great that you say that because I think that really gives us a chance to, as the, the psalm says, taste and see the goodness of the Lord. We can taste it certainly in the food that you're talking about, but we have to see it in the goodness of others as well and let them see that goodness in us. Otherwise, the Eucharist falls flat. Amen. Yeah, that's so true. And that's what he did. I mean, every uh, couple that wanted to get married, people that were having babies, people that were having funerals, would come to him because he was enthusiastic and uplifting and and um, kind of oozed the faith um, to the point that they they wanted to be near that. And when I saw that, I don't know that I knew it consciously at the time, but I think subconsciously I thought, I want to be that way. I want to be able to bring that to people. Mm-hmm. And I think that's a wonderful way for us to think about celebrating this year of the Eucharist in terms of making sure that we bring Christ to others. Not only that we encounter Christ's presence ourselves, but then that we become Christ's presence to others. Yeah, we, we're hoping that our community will go out and invite others back as well. Because some people are still gonna be hesitant about coming and some people have gotten to a habit of not coming now. And that's a hard habit to break when you become comfortable. But um, hopefully there'll be such a buzz we, we're desiring at Sacred Heart that people will say, I gotta go check that out. Sounds wonderful. Well, we have been talking today with Father Jerry Francic, who is pastor of Sacred Heart Parish in Glendon, about the Year of the Eucharist in the Archdiocese of Baltimore that has just started on the Feast of Corpus Christi and runs through the Feast of Corpus Christi in 2022. Thanks so much for being with us today, Father Jerry. You're very welcome. This is Chris Gunty of the Catholic Review, and you are listening to Catholic Review Radio. The Catholic Review is the only publication in the Archdiocese of Baltimore that covers the Catholic Church full-time. Pick up the monthly magazine at your parish or have it delivered to your home. Subscribe to our e-newsletter for twice-weekly updates. Just text CR Media to 84576. Follow the Catholic Review on Facebook, Twitter, and YouTube. Read it today in print or online at catholicreview.org. That's catholicreview.org. Tune in to Catholic Review Radio next week. Available on WMET 1160 AM and 103.1 FM. Also, WSJF 92.7 FM in the Sykesville area and WVTO 92.7 FM in Baltimore City. Check us out on SoundCloud or your favorite podcast app. Thank you for joining us for this edition of Catholic Review Radio. As we prepare for the week ahead, let us do so in prayer together as one community of faith. Our Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done, on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread, and forgive us our trespasses, as we forgive those who trespass against us. Lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. Let us also ask the blessing and intercession of our Blessed Mother as we pray, Hail Mary, full of grace, the Lord is with thee. Blessed art thou among women, and blessed is the fruit of thy womb, Jesus. Holy Mary, Mother of God, pray for us sinners now and at the hour of our death. Amen. May Almighty God bless us and keep us always in his love.